Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. They can hate if they won't, but they're just wasting their time, partner. Hey, this is Craig Dillstrom Media. This is DJ Kaya. This is Elliot D'Souza. Hey, this is Jason D'Souza from Aldona. Hey, this is Nash Lobo from Aldona. This is Pascal D'Souza from Calgary. Hey, this is Roland Almeida. Hey, this is Roland Nasparenas. Hey, guys, this is Ron Montero from Wolfland. Hi, this is Roy Fernandez from Donna Paula. This is Ryan D'Souza from Cola. Hey, this is Steffi DeCruz. Hey, this is Tony Nazareth, and you are listening to... And you're listening to... And you're listening to the GSL. The GSL. GSL. GSL Podcast. And you're listening to the GSL Podcast. That's right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the GSL Podcast. My name is Wendell. On the intro, we had the captain of Aguada, Croydon DeMello, giving kind of a freestyle, but basically part of his pitch towards his mission to have Steven Fernandez win the MVP, saying that stats don't lie and that Aguada just keeps going back to back. Coming up on this episode, I'm going to recap all of the quarterfinal matches in detail, as well as look ahead to the semifinals. And the main focus of the episode will be on the current MVP race. So without further ado, let's jump right into the news. So to kick off the news, I want to just briefly talk about the MVP voting format. Uh, For those that don't realize, the whole system of the MVP and the junior MVP uh, in the GSL has had a number of problems throughout the years. And one of the main issues is that it's very subjective and it's determined by people that may not be actually watching or following the league as closely as you might think. What I mean by this is typically the MVP is decided near the end of the season and the coaches and managers get together. And although teams would nominate players, it would then come down to an arbitrary vote. Sometimes this would even just come down to who was attending a certain game. They would try and get one representative from each team and together they would vote on the MVP of the league. And considering the magnitude of this award and the respect that it garners thereafter, I think that it should have been a little bit more of a formal process. And I think that's an an issue that the league is currently trying to address. That brings us to the format this year, um, which although it's garnered some criticism for some of its uh, demands, I actually think they've nailed it right on the head. The way it's working this year is each team uh, can nominate players from other teams to be either the senior MVP or the junior MVP. But in addition, each team can nominate one player uh, from their team for each award, and they can submit a bio, a player profile, and a picture of that actual team member. So many of you may be asking, why is this all necessary? Why do they have to go through the work of typing this all up and sending to the league? And the reason is, although it may be obvious to you and I as regular podcast listeners and regular players in the league or some coaches and managers, um, who is playing well, who is leading each team, a large majority of the fans in the league don't actually know what's going on with other teams. The reason for that is that many players and managers just show up to their own games, play their game, and then leave. And they don't stay behind to watch other games or talk to other players or check in with the other results. Many, many more people now have been able to follow the league thanks to this podcast. And through that, they're getting updates on other games, but there's still some subjectivity because you're highly reliant on, for example, what the GSL Insider tells me about a game or about my opinion about a specific player. And to combat this, I've always tried to be as unbiased as possible, and I've always tried to get multiple sources about games. I usually don't, just don't go to one person and say, hey, what happened in this match? I usually ask multiple players from each team, talk to the referees even sometimes, and a lot of the games I watch myself. Now, although I'd love to choose the people that would be responsible for electing the MVP, 
The fact of the matter is we need one representative from each team as well as the executive committee. And this creates a nice balance of different opinions, perspectives, and kind of what people's idea of an MVP is. Later on in this discussion, I'll go into what my definition is, who my nominees are, and maybe even ultimately who my vote would go towards. But the reason I like this format so much is it gives each team an opportunity to justify why they are nominating someone. They actually have to put into words what that player has done, why they have chosen him, and by including a picture, it allows other members that are voting and other teams to see this nomination and recognize the face, recognize the name, and kind of agree or disagree with that team's nomination. I think the lowest point in the MVP voting was in 2011 when 8th seeded Navalim upset first place Kolva in the quarterfinals, beat us Aldana 2-0 in the semifinals, and were one shot away from beating the heavy favorites Lotslem, and the league MVP was awarded to Ron. Now, don't get me wrong, Ron is an amazing player, uh, definitely top three players in the history of the GSL, and Ron knows I'm a huge fan of his. Um, but I think a lot of people would argue that Chris Marshall from Navalim easily, easily, easily should have won this award. Not only did he single-handedly carry an eighth seed to the finals, he scored a hat-trick in the uh, quarterfinals against Kolva, including some beautiful free kicks. He scored another goal in the semifinals, and he was just such an impact player that he gave Navalim a chance to pull off what would have been one of the greatest Cinderella stories of all time in the GSL. And many of you may wonder, well, maybe just the general consensus was that Ron was better. But the problem here is that Ron is such a brand name that everyone can identify with him that when you see his name, you think, yeah, Ron's amazing. He's on the finals team. We should vote for him. But the problem was for Chris Marshall was he was a newer player in the league. No one was really paying attention to Navalim because they were eighth place. And a lot of players didn't actually know him by name. So when they gathered this makeshift group of coaches, managers, players to vote for the MVP, at the finals, people were just writing on papers or submitting names arbitrarily. And I kid you not, one person even submitted as their vote that white guy on Navalim. And they were referencing the fact that Chris Marshall has lighter skin and they didn't even know his name. And this just kind of highlights the fact that whether or not you agree with the result or disagree, you can tell that the voting process was not formalized, it was not properly done. And I give kudos to the league for really formalizing it this year. And hopefully this means going forward, we'll have uh, more consistency amongst these MVP votes and a higher standard that needs to be attained to win the award. All right, that's enough about that. Let's jump into some match recaps of the quarterfinals. First up in the early kickoff, we had third seed Aguada versus sixth seed Bogmalo. As I've said in the past, the quarterfinal round is usually a little bit more predictable than other rounds. Um, not as frequently do you have an upset at this stage of the of the game, but um, whenever you do, it's usually in that six versus three seed. And uh, if, if you're wondering why, you can listen to the previous episodes where I explain kind of how the seeding breaks down. Um, but unfortunately, it wasn't to be for Bogmalo this time. You know, they had really hyped themselves up as they were going to come out strong and really give a fight against this Aguada team. But right from the offset, um, Aguada just seemed to be in absolute control with Steven Fernandez scoring yet another goal within the first minute and a hat trick uh, from Casey DeMello. So a final score of Aguada 4, Bogmalo 0. Many people uh, anxiously watching this game to see what would happen. Um, but you could just tell from the vibe that Aguada were so comfortable, so in control. Uh, for the last 20 minutes of the game, they started resting players. They were really looking ahead to the future. Um, tough result for Bugmalo. They were missing their goalie and forced to reshuffle around their players. But um, would have liked to see a little bit more fight from them, uh, really give it a go. Uh, but at the same time, it's their first year back in the league. 
should be commended for finishing sixth place. Um, you know, right at the beginning of the year, they were having a, a string of very, very poor results. They kind of turned that around, went on a couple of win streak, and were doing much better by the end of the season. Uh, unfortunately, just came across the back-to-back champions and a very talented team. So wasn't to be for them this year, but uh, hopefully they'll come back stronger next year. Next up, we have fourth place Colva versus fifth place Margao. Um, although those were the standings, I think everyone would agree going in, this was a very even matchup. You you really couldn't tell who was going to win. And I would actually argue Margao might be favorites just due to their championship pedigree and the fact that they've been there, done this before many times. And unfortunately for Colva, this was the way it ended up with Margao winning 2-1. to one. Um, First half, Margao had a lot of possession, doing what they do, um, killing the game, breaking it down and having good string of passes just to maintain the ball possession, trying to frustrate Colva. Colva, uh, you know, thrives in their youth. Uh, the combination, actually, of youth and, and veteran leadership. Uh, and they do have a number of just absolute stars uh, in their in their ranks, including Johnny Van Dreen and his brother Noah Van Dreen. Uh, personally, I think Johnny Van Dreen is a up-and-coming superstar, um, maybe the next Ron Montero of this league, but time will tell. Um as far as Margao goes, although they had a lot of possession, Colva did manage to hit the post twice in the first half. But then Margao was awarded a penalty, which was put away nicely by Miles Abreu. And another goal was followed up by Dwayne Lobo Perez. So at 2-0, it looked like a very comfortable game. I was actually worried that this was going to be similar to last year's semifinal, where Colva, you know, we really expected them to come out strong against Guada. Um, but they kind of gave up and they kind of let themselves down. So I was worried that was going to happen again. But luckily, Colva, um, you know, a nice cross in the box and they buried a chance. But unfortunately, it was ruled off due to a player being offside. Um, so that would have made it 2-1. They were awarded a penalty later on in the second half. And uh, it was scored by one of those veteran leaders I was talking about, Ryan Santiago. So at 2-1, uh, really, you could tell Marga was on the back foot at this time. They were getting nervous. Um, Cole was really putting the pressure on and Margo was really saved uh, by their you know number one defender in the league Bradley uh, in their center back just making amazing tackles uh, really really helped save Margo there and uh, that's what you need you know in those, in those tough times you need your superstars to step up and that's what Bradley has done in the past and that's what he did again this time so overall uh, a good result for Margo heading to the semifinals disappointing end to the season for Colva once again um, although I think they have a lot of talent and a great mix of players, they really need to try and identify how they can uh, change their fortune in the playoffs. They're really a team that needs to get to the finals uh, and make a run at it within the next few years. Because although you would think you know they have a lot of young players and they're just going to grow and get better and better, you need that veteran leadership to be at the right stage of their career as well. And I think they have a good balance of veterans and youth that they really need to take uh, advantage of this window that they're in and try and make a run at the finals. So. Best of luck to them next year, uh, but unfortunately, a disappointing quarterfinal for them. Next up, we have the 12 o'clock games beginning with Lotalem, the number one seed, versus Donna Paula, the eighth seed. This was always a game that was going to be very challenging for Donna Paula. You're pretty much walking to a buzzsaw that is Lotalem. They've been waiting the whole year for the playoffs to start. They really just want to get revenge for last year, and they finished the whole season undefeated. So you can tell they're in top shape, and unfortunately, that's the way this game went with a final score of 7-0 to for Lotalem. Goal scorers were Dane Don Millen with a hat-trick. Craig Raj with the goal, Kyle Coelho with the goal, and Carl Mascarenas with two goals. So great result for Lotalem. Unfortunate for Donna Paula. 
But, I mean, being honest with them, I think they would have admitted that they didn't have too many expectations from this playoff game. I would have liked to see them compete a little bit more. You know, even losing 2 nothing or 3 nothing uh, to a top side like Lothlum can help boost confidence and show that when it comes to the playoffs, you are able to flip a switch. Um, going forward for Donna Paula next year, I think their main mission should be to bring back their whole team. Um, try and solidify a consistent goalkeeper because that is one issue that Abel mentioned they really need to lock down and just continue to listen to their coach and build. Uh, I think now that they have a coach in place and a system that they're trying to follow, you really have to have a lot of patience and uh, and allow the team to grow within that system and just enjoy working with each other. You know, Try and have some fun, uh, really get to know each other on your team and it'll make the experience a lot better. And actually, it'll accelerate it when you're having a lot of fun, you're playing well together. Um, it promotes a good playing style. So I think that's going to be Donna Paula's mission. For Lotalim, uh, it's just business as usual for them. Advancing to the semifinals where they play Margao. I did have the GSL Insider reveal a quote to me that one Lotalim player thinks that they have the name on the GSL trophy already. Apparently, they didn't say in a cocky way. It was more of a matter of a fact way, just looking at the competition. I would have to say I completely disagree with this statement. Although Lotalim are an extremely strong team and are and are you know poised to do very, very well in this playoffs, their name is absolutely not on the trophy. If you look at last season, they went undefeated and then were beat in the uh, finals by Aguada. At this point, I would say Aguada is the favorites to retain their title, uh, with Lotlum being the number one challengers. But it's very, very hard to predict. Margao, you know, they could come out at any point in time and uh, really upset someone. And uh, Lotlum's got their work cut out for them next week for sure when they play Margo in the semifinals. Moving on to the last quarterfinal of the day, we had Aldena, the number two seed versus Mopsa, the number seven seed. This was a very tight game. I had predicted it to be a very tight game because both times we've played Mops in the past, although we won both times, uh, they're very hard-fought games, uh, very uh, competitive games, and very difficult games for us to win. And that was the case again this time. Uh, we got up to a great start with lots of possession, really dominating possession of the ball. I think even Mopsa would agree with that. But what Mopsa did very well is they didn't allow us to translate that possession into executing solid concrete chances. There were very few open chances on the goalie, uh, you know, really good shots from close. Most of our shots were from far away. And although we managed to hit the crossbar a few times, you could tell that Mopsa was still in the game and they were doing everything they could to fight. And this led to in the second half with 20 minutes left in the game, uh, a cross into the box from their center defender being finished by Carlton Fernandez. On the website, it says Kane Roderick score, but I'm almost sure it was Carlton from the right wing position coming in and goalie was caught out of position and Carlton with the one-time volley putting in the bottom right corner and uh, Mopsa and all the Margo fans on the on the sideline just went absolutely wild and kudos to them. They deserved that at that point. Um, although they didn't have a lot of possession, they were trying to do their best they could with the limited possession they had and this translated into a very nice uh, goal for them. So at this point, the alarm bells are ringing on our team. We're down one nothing, And the best thing you can do uh, when you go down a goal is to capitalize in the next few minutes. Many of you that have listened to the podcast regularly know that this actually normally happens to our team where we finally score a goal and then one minute later someone scores on us. Uh, finally, we were able to do it in the reverse and about a few minutes later, uh, Calvin Rosario uh, was chipped into a ball in the middle and he got his head on it, con contesting it with the Mopsa defender. And it was actually pretty unfortunate because although he did head the ball towards the net, uh, the goalie made a dive and it did take a deflection by the Mopsa defender uh, bouncing uh, to the right of the goalie and over him, leaving him absolutely helpless to do anything about it because of that deflection. So that made it 1-1. 
settled our nerves, made us a lot more confident. And that's when uh, Richard Fernandez decided to go on an absolute tear, scoring two very, very nice goals uh, to give Alden the lead and final score of three to one. Um, so a great game uh, for Richard. And overall, you know, we were just happy to get by Mopsa and get into the semifinals. As far as performance goes from both teams, as I said, Mopsa can be very happy with their performance. They were very competitive, especially as a seventh seed. Um, you really, really want to fight. And you're going in as the underdogs, so you have nothing to lose. And I think they adapted that mentality and did well with it. Uh, from our perspective on Aldena, um, we would have liked, you know, a, a more of a stress-free uh, outing and maybe an easier victory. But a, a win is a win, and we're happy to go to the semifinals where we will have to play the defending champions, Aguada. So I already touched on it uh, before, but just to preview the semifinal games, uh, 10.30 a.m., we have Aguada versus Aldena. We're going to go into this in a little bit more detail later on. Um, but also at 12.15 p.m., we have Lotalum versus Margao. So two very good games. This is what I call the core four, the four teams that usually make the semifinals. And usually history would tell us that Aguada and Lotalum are going to win and go to the finals again to play each other. But in the playoffs, anything can happen. So definitely come out on Sunday and check out. Usually this is the best weekend of games of the whole season. Just to touch on Lotalum versus Margao, I think a lot depends on which Margao shows up. If it's the confident, dynamic, possession-based Margao of old, uh, the one that won the multiple championships, you know, backboning off that amazing defense with Bradley, midfield with Dwayne, uh, and then creating some offense through that, I think that they can definitely cause an upset here. But I think if Lotalum's firing on all cylinders, it's going to be very, very difficult to beat them. So I am going to predict Lotalum to win this one in a very, very tight game. Uh, with a score of 2-1. to one. Now, next up on the podcast, I want to talk about the uh, senior MVP and junior MVP nominations. As I discussed before uh, in the new segment, this uh, process has been formalized, and as a result, I have a lot more information that's been uh, sent to me about the candidates and what their teams think of them. Even if you don't end up winning the uh, MVP or junior MVP, the fact that your teammates nominated you just goes to show how uh, brightly they think of you and how happy they are for your progression. So always an honor to be nominated. I'm going to be talking about three nominees uh, for the uh, senior MVP category and two nominees for the junior MVP category. A lot of people message me asking to give plugs for certain MVPs or try and promote certain people to garner votes. And while I do appreciate that this podcast does have a large listener base that can kind of not influence, but, you know, guide people's voting or kind of inform the listener, uh, it's my job to try and stay as unbiased as possible and objective as possible. That way I can present mostly the facts and just kind of my general opinion on what I think of the MVP race for this year and what I would do if I was submitting a vote. Uh, as the podcast uh, creator, I don't actually submit a formal vote. Uh, my team does, but I try not to get involved just to stay ab as objective as possible. Um, but that being said, there are three names. And uh, without further ado, my top three for the senior MVP award this year would be Ron Montero from Lotalim, Jason D'Souza from Aldena, and Steven Fernandez from Aguada. It's no coincidence that these names uh, come from the top three teams in the league. Uh, the MVPs usually is rewarded to someone that plays on a team that's from a higher uh, standing. But I want to kind of define what exactly I'm looking for in an MVP. MVP stands for Most Valuable Player. It does not stand for 
best player in the league. If it's if the award was for the best player in the league, I think the same one or two people would have won it for the past 10 years. A great example is Bradley Pereira on Margao, the central defender, the best defender in the league, one of the best players in the league. He would be up for nomination for this award every single year. However, the award is for most valuable player. What that means is not only are you a super talent, but you've contributed a lot to your team's success. And without you, the team would have floundered and would not have done nearly as well. So let's start off with our first nominee, Ron Montero. Playing for Lotalem, Ron has always been a beacon of the team and kind of the heart and soul of what they do. I'm a strong believer that if he were to retire and leave the team, like not even stay around as a coaching role, I think they would play a lot more disorganized. I think they'd be a lot less disciplined and I don't think they would achieve as much success. They'd still be a very talented team, but they, they hinge on Ron's leadership and his vision for the team to keep them in line and keep them functioning. He is the engine of that team. He has also had a great personal performance this year, scoring a lot of goals and creating a lot of assists. And that is why Lotzlem has actually nominated him uh, as their team's nominee ahead of Neil De Silva, who won last year and who also had an amazing season this year. To play devil's advocate on the other side, my reason for not choosing Ron would be that although he's so crucial to their success, they are an extremely, extremely talented team. They are very stacked. They are very deep from top to bottom. So even when Ron substitutes himself off the field, you have such depth coming in that they're still such a talented team. They're still playing so well. Part of me wonders, even if Ron wasn't playing there and was just a coach, would they do just as well? And remember, this is most valuable player, not most valuable person or most valuable component of a team. Moving on to nominee number two, we have Jason D'Souza from Aldena. Uh, also another former MVP. Uh, Jason is the bedrock of Aldana's defense, and I think anyone who's played our team or watched our team would know without him, we would let in at least 20 more goals a season. This is because of his athletic prowess. He jumps in the air. He wins every single header. He's got great speed. He has uh, very solid tackles, and he uses that speed to chase down opposing strikers. I think many opposing uh, forwards in the league would describe what a nightmare it is playing against him because even if you get the break on him and you try and get by him he'll run back and make a tackle so when you look at a team like Aldena finishing second place in the league and uh, winning the division title for the third year in a row um, the reason for their increased consistency and trips to you know the semifinals for the past four years heavily heavily relies on Jason and that's what makes him a most valuable player nominee in my mind once again, to jump on the other side, a reason not to vote for him. Uh, although he is such a solid defender and his touch on the ball has drastically improved from uh, when he first started in the league, one could argue that he doesn't contribute as much on the other end, that is offensively, as much as a dynamic MVP should. If you look at the defender I previously compared him to, Bradley Pereira, um, not only is Bradley such a solid defender, but he actually contributes a lot on offense as well. He's got a great touch on the ball. He can make passes. He makes plays. He can even push up and contribute and score goals. And that's the reason why Jason, if he wants to step up to that next category of all-time elite, he needs to add a little bit more of an offensive side to his game, whether it's scoring headers in the box or starting to use his footwork to make plays or make through ball passes or just trying to develop some offense. That's something that he needs to step up in his game to achieve that next level. Last but certainly not least, we have Steven Fernandez from Aguada. I've spoken about Steven a lot on this podcast. He's been in the news a lot just because he keeps scoring goals. Uh, in the regular season, he finished with 22 goals, shattering the previous record of 16. At one point, I even called him out on his goal-scoring record, and he responded by scoring even more. So clearly a player not averse to pressure or the spotlight, 
and kudos to him for for just scoring an absolute ton of goals. The league has been crying out for a face of the league when it comes to striker. Not since Rubinho uh, retired from Lotlam have we really had a striker that everyone could point to and say, this guy is the striker in the league. And I think Steven's trying to make a name for himself saying, hey guys, everyone look at me. I'm taking over that role. I'm the new top finisher in the league. He's already won the Golden Boots. That's one award he's guaranteed to get. But I think there's a very strong case that he should win MVP because if you look at actually the, the table of the league and you look at everyone that finished between 5th and 6th, so that's Margao, Bungmalo, Mopsa, and Donapala, Steven actually scored more goals by himself than all of those teams did. That's right. His 22 goals were more than the entire Margo team, the entire Bungmalo team, etc., etc. So that's just an outrageous stat and one that he should be very proud of. One of the main reasons I wasn't sure if we should vote for Steven Fernandez is because although he's scoring so much and he's so uh, critical to Aguada's success, why are they finishing third place? Why aren't they higher in the standings? Why aren't they challenging for first when you have someone on your team that's scoring so many goals? And that comes down to the inconsistencies in Aguada's attendance and lineup. Uh, they have played many games with only nine or ten players. And although I fault the team for that and their lack of commitment, you can't then blame Steven, who has showed up for every single game and only missed one game due to injury. So that's why, in my personal opinion, if I did have a vote, I would throw it towards Steven Fernandez of Guada for this historic season, something that we have not seen in a long time, a breakthrough striker scoring a ton of goals and shattering a record that may not be broken again for many, many years to come. So... This year, we have a great race for MVP. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, but congratulations to everyone that gets nominated and best of luck. As far as the junior MVP race goes, um, as I said, I feel that there are two people that really stand out to me. And one of them is Noah Van Drien from Colva, the other being Matthew Pace from Aguada. Uh, Noah Van Drien is Johnny Van Drien's younger brother. This is his first year in the league. He started at only 15 years old when the league first started. And instantly from watching him play, you can tell he's a very, very talented, but very confident player. In fact, I would describe both these players as super talents. And what strikes me from both of them, and the reason why I think they're very strong candidates, is that they're very, very confident on the ball at such a young age. Uh, there are many, many talented players that come to the GSL, but because they start off so young and because the league's so physical, they're not used to that. They're used to playing with people only their age or younger. So uh, for Matthew and Noah to be able to adapt to this men's league and really compete just goes to show their fighting spirit and their extreme talent. So I feel like these two are strong candidates to win. It's very difficult for me to pick between the two of them. I've personally been impressed with Noah just because his brother Johnny was away most of the season and he really stepped into that role and was leading Colva's midfield. Uh, but that being said, Matthew has also had a stellar season for Aguada. So I leave this up to the listeners and the league to decide. But in my mind, those are the two uh, nominees that are most likely to win. And last up, we have the last semifinal game between Aguada and Aldena. But rather than discuss this game myself, I'd like to welcome in the studio none other than Lester Fernandez from Aguada. Lester, how's it going? Good, good. Thanks. Thanks for coming on the show. So, uh, Lester, you've been on Aguada for a long time. You've won uh, multiple championships with the team. As recently as last year, you were the team's leading scorer. And Aguada has one of the few luxuries in the league that they can tr transition from having you as a leading scorer to the next year, a completely different player, Steven Fernandez, become the leading scorer, win the Golden Boot, and break the record with 22 goals. So I've spoken uh, about him a lot on the podcast. But just give him, give us some perspective from your angle and from the team's angle, watching him do this every week and what the team feels about it. 
Uh, well, Steve's just, uh, he's a great, great player. He, uh, he can finish any chance that he gets uh, inside the box, outside the box. Uh, whenever he gets his foot on the ball, it's, um, it's almost a sure goal this year. And um, uh, nothing to take away from the rest of the team, uh, just supporting him from the back. But um, he's definitely been one of our best players, and uh, he's put away a lot of games for us. Now, for you, uh, as another forward, I mean, last year you were the focal point of the team. You were the striker. You were scoring a lot of goals. A lot of the offense kind of went through you. You were actually playing a similar role to he, uh, the one that he is this year. So now that he's come into the team, you've had to rely on becoming more striking partners. How has your partnership developed? Is this something that you've talked about? Is it something you work on? Or what was the process of you guys becoming uh, forwards together now? Uh, well, nothing really. I mean, it was just, um, we started out trying it in the beginning of the season. It just worked out really well. Um, I mean, not saying that uh, I'm the most phenomenal player, but I do feel that because I have been a high goal scorer over the past few years, uh, there's been a lot of defensive coverage on me, which is uh, opens up a lot of free space for a lot of the other players. Which I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind giving up um, goals if uh, if our team benefits from it in the in the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. You've, you've touched on a good point there. Um, certain forwards, you know, as they rise through the ranks, they become more of a known commodity. The problem becomes now you get double teamed, you get covered a lot. Uh, it makes your job a lot harder. But if you can open up space for your fellow teammates and get them goals, it's the same result. So it's good that you have that kind of mentality. Looking forward to the playoffs now, um, what do you see as Aguada's biggest challenge to retaining your trophy, the title, and doing a three-peat? Because in the history of the league, only one team, Para, has ever won the championship three times in a row uh, between 2005 and 2007. So do you think this is possible for you guys to do it again? And what do you think your biggest challenge is going to be? Uh, I think it's very possible for us to do it again. And I think uh, through and through when we have everyone there, we've got uh, just a very solid team. Um, sometimes I feel, I feel like I should be sitting on the bench with the uh, the depth that we have with um, everyone that Croydon and Kreif have have tried to get over the years and uh, definitely developed um uh, our biggest challenge um i think you know in the end of the day i think it's a well-known fact that guada doesn't really practice so uh coming together as a team uh making sure that everyone's uh, fulfilling their role and um i think that's you know if, if we get by that it's it's uh to be honest with you and, and i hate to sound biased i think we have another title coming our way Okay, good. I, I like the cockiness. I like the confidence. I do think you guys are, are co-favorites with Loto, maybe even the number one favorite, just because, as you said, the amount of depth you guys have and the amount of talent you have. Um, looking ahead, your next matchup is against us, uh, Alduna, in the semifinals. Uh, from your perspective, do you have a specific strategy going into this, or is it just another game, kind of the same strategy as normal? Um, well, we're just kind of going to play our game, and... Um work with what we got it's it's worked with us so far uh i kind of just show up every week christ and croydon uh sit in casey also uh sit and do the logistics the um the lineup so i just show up when i need to show up and uh try and try and do my part um i think that's pretty much uh, uh a mentality for a lot of the guys in the team and um We've got good leaders that we follow, um, and I think our strategy is just kind of go out and play our game and um, turn out well for us, I, I hope. 
So talk to us a little bit about the, the leadership structure on your team. From the outside perspective, it looks like uh, Croydon is your captain. He's your most vocal person on the team. He's always talking to you guys. You have Cryf, who's kind of the most long-standing, uh, one of the most talented players on your team, former MVP of your team. Uh, so we definitely see those two in action a lot leading the team. Is there anyone else that's involved or maybe behind the scenes that people wouldn't realize has uh, such a large impact on your team? Um, well, you know, we, we've got we've got guys always uh, come in with their expertise from outside. Like uh, Casey's there. Um, he's always given a lot of knowledge as well on how to structure, how to form, um, how to play. And um, he's... I mean, he's been a leader on, on, on the teams, and he, he is a leader as it is. Same with Christ, and, uh, and Croydon just puts it all together, right? He he does all the behind-the-scenes work. He, he recruits players. He's, um, he's just one that, that keeps the water alive right now. And um, in the end of the day, without a couple of those key components, I mean, I'm not very vocal. I, I sit back, I listen, and um, I do my part. And I feel like, you know, the team... We we joke around a lot. We have a good, uh, just kind of good community in in our own group in our own team, and um, that works out well for our chemistry. Because as I said, we don't really practice like we. Uh, I think we've had one practice in the past four years, and that was I think right before the playoffs or right before the finals a couple of years ago. And um, you know, it's um, it's good that everyone on the team can can talk can listen and um i think it just benefits us uh to have leaders all around okay perfect so just to finish off the interview we're gonna do some rapid fire questions this is kind of a around we call agree or disagree so i'm gonna name a statement or, or you know an, an idea and all i want you to say is either agree or disagree and it can be your own personal opinion it doesn't have to represent the whole team's opinion but uh, there's pretty much five questions. We'll just go through them really quickly, okay? All right. Okay, question number one. Aguada doesn't care about the regular season results. Uh, I agree. Number two. Aguada thinks that when they have a full squad in the playoffs, they can beat any team easily. Agree. Number three. Aguada enjoys winning games, but secretly enjoys beating Margao the most. Disagree. Okay. Number four. The three names that should be put forward for MVP this year are Ron from Lotalim, Jason from Aldena, and Steven from Aguada. I think I'd like some other names on there, but I agree with the choices. Okay. And lastly, but not least, the GSL podcast comes up at least once per week at Aguada Games. Um, Disagree. Disagree? You guys are always coming up to me. <laughs> maybe when i'm not there i mean i i leave pretty quickly after the game so i don't know what they talk about could oh, totally man. happen i'm um just for my you said it could be my personal answer so <laughs> yeah yeah i got bit by my own rules in the game no yeah for sure no it's definitely the all the trash talking after the game for sure definitely not before the game well thanks so much for coming on lester really appreciate it any last shout outs you want to give to your teammates or anyone else before you go no my teammates aren't worth it <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well said. See you on Sunday, buddy. All right. See ya. So that's it for this week's episode. Heading into a very exciting weekend, the semifinals of the GSL. Also, kind of on a sad note, the season's almost over, which means the podcast season is almost over. Definitely going to miss it, but we have some exciting episodes left and definitely some very, very competitive games coming up. So 
See you all on Sunday, and until next week, we'll be back with a brand new episode.